Okay, this morning uh, we were going to start Satan and his demons, but before we get into that cheery topic, we need to finish up on the angels, uh, meaning the uh, good angels, the elect angels, the chosen angels, different names for them. So we're gonna, we're gonna, so that's on the back side. If you remember to bring it, if not, I had a few floating around here, so they're they're passed out. So okay. <clears throat> Let's pick it up. I'm on page two, if you've got the angel outline, and the seraphim, and we kind of jumped in there very quick and just kind of blew through that so fast, I thought I'd just back up, pick it up, because it's going to be important for later on, actually, when we get into the study of Satan and his demons. Now, the seraphim are six-winged angels, um, six-winged angels, and only mentioned by name in Isaiah. It's the only place we have the name seraphim. Let's look at Isaiah. That's an important passage. Let's look at Isaiah. <clears throat> I fully expect that between this and the uh, study of Satan that we're going to be here next week as well. So, Isaiah. Chapter 6, 1 through 7. Very familiar passage, I think, to most of us. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations and the threshold thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with his tongs. And he touched me on my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. And then we compare, let's compare that all the way back to Revelation, back of the Bible there. Here again, the scene is at the throne, and from the throne proceeded flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne... There was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal, and in the center around the throne, four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. And the, and the first creature was, was like a, a lion, the second creature like a calf, and the third creature like, had, had a face like that of a man, and the fourth creature like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within, and day and night they do not cease to say, Holy Holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, he who was, who is, and who is to come. And when, the, and when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever. So there you see him again at kind of like both ends, you know, from Isaiah's lifetime frame, you know, and all the way now in Revelation, uh, John's look into heaven, and you see these I believe the seraphim, just still, their function is, this, is the, before the throne, 
saying holy, holy, holy. That's one of their main functions. Interesting. Now, another angel we, we hear about is the archangel, which literally means chief angel. As a matter of fact, if you're still sitting in Revelation by any chance, we can look at that verse, Revelation 12, 7 through 9. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon, who was Satan, and the dragon and his angels waged war. And they were not strong enough, and, and there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to earth, and his angels were kept thrown down with him. Okay, we're going to get into that a little bit more later when... Uh, and then also, too, the archangel, which literally means chief angel, uh, we can see, it, well, in Jude 9, we can see the, uh, matter of fact, let's look there, Jude chapter, we're right in Revelation, so Jude is right in front of it. Jude verse 9 says, but Michael, <clears throat> the archangel, when he disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moses, did not dared to pronounce against him a railing judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Now, before you ask what was that all about, this is all we know about that incident. It's right here. Um, and quite frankly, one thing I try to avoid extensively in a Bible study is speculation, because it doesn't help. It actually does more harm than good. That's all we know about it. That's all we know, that there was an argument over the body of Moses. Before he went bad, he was definitely viewed as the most spectacular of angels. He was, and uh, I, know, I know angels are spirits, but you might say it went to his head. <laughs> yeah, so <clears throat> it's, it's highly probable that, ain't, that Satan was indeed an archangel one of that group because a chief angel, mighty, okay? And that definitely fits his description as a created being. But uh, he went sour, obviously. Okay. And then when you have thrones, the next one, thrones, dominions, rulers, and authorities, we, we've seen that already in Colossians 1.16. And again, these terms are going to pop up again, so might as well get familiar with them now, and then we can that'll keep us moving later on. Okay, Colossians 1.16, it starts out, Speaking of Christ, for by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities, all things have been created by him and for him. That includes the angelic world, Okay. If, it's, if it exists, whether physical, material, spiritual, Jesus Christ created it. And that's, that's, that's a very key passage there for that. Jesus Christ created everything. And then there's another group of angels that uh, I just labeled the seven angels who stand before God. This, we see them in Revelation 8, 2, where John, again, looking at... Uh, his vision said, and I saw the seven angels 
who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. Now these, I think these are different than the seraphim, but these are another group that just that stand before God. That's all we know about the seven. And I'm thinking that Gabriel very possibly is one of these. These could actually be like the chief messenger angels, perhaps. We don't know. And again, thus endeth my speculation. (laughs) But look at Luke chapter 1, verse 19. Things that pop up sometimes during the Christmas season. Luke 1, 19. Okay, here's an angel visiting Zacharias. And the angels answered and said to him, remember, this is when he made this statement, just a little bit of information leading into the little background. Zacharias wondering, well, how can all this happen? All this, this is, this is too fantastic to grasp, basically. And uh, <clears throat> if you're ever visited by uh, Gabriel, just pay attention. Don't doubt him, okay? Here you go, Luke one nineteen says, And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And again, Gabriel and Michael are the only two angels named in Scripture. As a matter of fact, we're going to look at it. In Hebrews 13.2, the the passage there says, um, you might be uh, entertaining angels unaware being unaware of it there might be angels among us but they're they're still active they're still doing a lot of things when we get into the demons uh, part we're going to see where there is angelic warfare going on all over the place that is unbeknownst to us we're we're not we don't live in that spirit world to even see it so you know but there's stuff going on that would it's probably better we don't know. It would people would be dropping over dead, I think, out of fright. I mean, there's just some really wild stuff here. You don't have to make up crazy stories about angels and things. It's wild all on its own. <laughs> okay, duties and function of the holy angels. Okay, you want to stick with that holy angels. They are God's messengers. Okay, um, <clears throat> Genesis 19, 1 through 13. We won't go there. Because mainly, yeah, we won't go there, but remember, the Lord showed up with two companions with him. Those were angels, okay? As a matter of fact, they were messengers, and the angels spoke to people. Um, you can see in Daniel 9.21, we won't turn them, in Daniel 9.21, the angel Gabriel showed up to Daniel and gave him that tremendously important prophetic passage about the 70 weeks. I mean... Again, it's about 75, 80% sure after Ephesians, which technically we're in right now, we're going to do a series on prophecy. The, the prophecies given to Daniel are critical. Without them, you will never, ever, ever get prophecy. There's no hope of getting it right. <laughs> There's no hope. It's tough even knowing that, but that's, but you got to understand that. And, and Gabriel did that. And then in, in, in Luke, 
Again, we just saw that where the angel Gabriel appeared to Zacharias. He appeared to Mary. Um, we don't know who it was that uh, appeared to Joseph in a dream, but, but angels were very active in the first coming of Christ and will be extremely active in the second coming as well. Um, they gave praise to God. We've already seen that in, in, in uh, Isaiah 6, but also in Luke 2. Remember, the, and I love this part of this one, the Christmas story where the angels appeared to the shepherds out there. The, low, <laughs> the lowliest folks of society, they're sitting out there in the field, you know, watching their flocks by night as, a, as it goes. And an angel appears in heaven, speaks to them, brightness. And then the next thing you know, the sky was just full of angels praising God. And I tell you, it, what, a, what, a, what a sight that must have been. And then also, and I want to look at a couple of these, angels actually carry out some of God's judgments. Let's look at, let's, we're, let's look at Acts chapter 12. We might be in, in Luke. Acts 12, 21-23. <clears throat> on most days, people might say it's good to be king. Not on this day. <laughs> Acts 12, <laughs> Acts 12, 21. <laughs> it says, And on an appointed day, Herod, having put on his royal apparel, took his seat in the rostrum, and began delivering an address to them. And the people kept crying out, The voice of a God and not of man. And immediately an angel of the Lord struck him, because he did not give God the glory, and he was eaten by worms and died. He's had better days. Okay? Yeah, not a great way to go. Revelation 16. Revelation 16. This is a section of the... The, the setting here is be right at the end of that seven-year tribulation period where the judgments from heaven are going to become in, in almost rapid-fire succession. It's like bang, boom, boom, one after another after another. And so here we are in 16.1. And I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels... Go and pour out the bowls of wrath of God onto the earth. And the first angel went out and poured out his bowl on the earth, and it became loathsome and a malignant sore, and upon the men who had the mark of the beast and, on, and who worshipped his image. And the second angel poured out his bowl, and, men became, and, the, and, it became, and the sea became like blood, and then on and on it goes, you know, just all the way through here, where these angels were pouring out God's, these bowls of wrath from God, and then the judgment came right with it. And again, the, the scene is like one angel poured his bowl. Immediately after that, another angel came up, boom, poured his bowl. And right after that, another one came, bang, poured his bowl. And uh, needless to say, the earth was a mess as a result. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> and I'll tell you, when God gets to judging, he judges. And that's why it says, Scripture says it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of an angry God. You don't want to be judged by God. Think about it too. Christ on the cross was judged by God and fell under that very kind of judgment. Severe. Severe. We don't we don't even know how horrible it could have been or must have been, I should say. Now, 
I don't think we can because we are not in his position to receive it of being totally holy. Anything we might receive, we would, we would deserve. He, res, he deserved none of it. Okay. And the last point here that we'll deal with when we get into our, the other fellows, the fallen angels, they engage in warfare with fallen angels. We've already talked about that. And then other facts about angels. They're capable of appearing as men. We're going to get into that also with angels and demons, uh, and then we'll deal with a question we had, too, that that point in time with the Nephilim, who are those critters. And then one thing, too, to understand, unlike man, angels are never described as being made in the image of God. Never. Um, we will actually one day judge the angels. Interesting. How that's going to happen and what we're... Remains to be seen. It was just said and moved on. <laughs> Anybody have something? Okay. And uh, that was in 1 Corinthians 6.3. Now, angels serve God's people. We know in Hebrews 1.14, it mentions it very briefly. It makes the statement, and they, speaking of angels, and they are not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation. The angels are serving us in our lifetimes, somehow, some way. They might, you know, the, that, the, the guardian angel thing kind of comes from here. Um, they're serving us. So, okay. Well, you figure they're, they're serving God. We, as believers, are part of the kingdom of God. So in that sense, they are serving us because they serve the kingdom, who we are members of, right? So, you know, and then, like I say, in 13.2, it says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to the strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. So you just... So if I come knocking on your door, feed me. You don't know. I might. <laughs> my wife. My wife says no. He's not. But anyway, <laughs> we we can see over. You know, angels demonstrate great power. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, in that Genesis 19 passage, remember they were in the city of Sodom, and they and the those freaks came up to the house, start beating on the door. The angel walked out, caused them all to go blind. Okay, um, and then in, in Luke, when Zacharias he caused uh, Zacharias to temporarily lose his speech. Okay, um, angels are not given in marriage. Is that they don't marry and reproduce as angels? That's all that's saying. Matthew twenty two thirty. There are an innumerable number of angels. I mean. Revelation 5.11, it talks about angels as thousands and thousands and myriads and myriads. It uses terminology like that, which means there's a bunch. I mean, just don't even, it's kind of like the stars of the, out there in the universe. Forget, forget trying to count them. To the two last ones we need to look at, because there's people that have issues with this. Number one, because we are not to pray to angels, period. Angels, we do not pray. First Timothy two five. 
For there is one God and one mediator, also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Period. <laughs> you know, if you, you pray to God through a name, it's through Christ. You don't pray to Mary. You don't pray to the saints, any other of the saints. You don't, you know, you don't pray through angels. There are, I know, coming from a Catholic background, people pray to Michael, for example, the archangel. Um, they even call him Saint Michael. That was nice of the Catholic Church to, to canonize good old Michael. Um, and on top of that, and this comes very close to praying to angels, we are not to worship angels. Okay? Um, Revelation 22 in Colossians 2, they're talking about don't pray to angels because that's part of that Gnostic, a lot of the Gnostic heresies have that. But uh, Revelation 22, and the one who heard and saw these things, and when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed me these things. And he, that's the angel, said to me, do not do, not do that. I am a fellow servant of yours and of your brethren, the prophets, and of those who heed the words of this book. Worship God, <laughs> okay? Don't do that. But what that does tell us, that gives us a, uh, a glimpse of how spectacular angelic creatures truly are. You know, the fact that, you know, you just, to view one because they're, they're magnificent. And uh, we're, they're often seen, you know, remember giving off the glory of God, like it, the, when the angels appeared at Christmas, the bright, shine, you know, bright and shininess. I mean, we, we saw that actually last time. We've got about uh, 10 minutes left, so we'll go ahead and start on Satan and his demons. So we might as well title this class, Angels Part 2. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the angels looking into and trying to figure out what this salvation is all about. I, it's understandable in that with the angels, they're just kind of like in an opposite position of mankind. Mankind fell, Adam and Eve. Through Adam and Eve, all of mankind fell. And so we are born, that's, you know, uh, Psalm 51, born in sin con- or conceived in sin. Okay, so we're born sinners. Okay, and we spend the rest of our life proving that. <laughs> all right, and so... Um, that's our situation life, and therefore, through the sacrifice of Christ, certain of certain those of mankind have the, then the opportunity and ability to be saved. With angels, it was just the opposite. Angels were created, and then one day back there, somewhere between the you know the seventh day where God rested, and where in, Satan shows up in the garden somewhere in that period of time, which we, and again, we don't know how long that was. I tend to think it was relatively short. That uh, Satan fell and took a third of the angels with him, a la Revelation 12, 1, 2, 3 in there. And uh, so there is no, those, those fallen angels are not given opportunity for salvation. It's like the angels had a decision to make at one point in time. They made it. So you have, and it's interesting to note that the the holy angels are called the elect angels. And then the fallen angels now go by the 
term demon, among other things, which that's our first part of our lesson on Satan and demons. So, yeah, well, <clears throat> basically that whole thing about, there's a, a, a lot of things in there about uh, demons that are quite frankly nonsensical. Number one, rebuking is, is one of them. Uh, and, and that's a great passage to go to. I mean, if, if there's any rebuking to do, Michael's the one. And matter of fact, one day Michael, on behalf of the Lord, will toss, give the boot to Satan. Okay? There's another one, too, and it kind of goes in with that, what you were saying about they're binding Satan. Stop it. No, they're not binding anything. Scripture says Satan moves around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. They're not binding anybody, especially Satan. I mean, that's just ridiculous. That's just ridiculous talk by folks that, you know, uh, claim to have power over demons that, that don't understand the word they're supposedly preaching. And they do, they do better spending more time learning what Scripture says than chasing demons. Because uh, <laughs> one day, they're li- I think like the sons of Sceva, one day they're just liable to catch one. <laughs> and that will be the worst day of their life. <laughs> I'm telling you. I, I sometimes, uh, and we'll be looking at that verse, but uh, as we go through Satan, demons, and it's one of my favorite verses on demons, actually. I kind of wish you would, Lord, would you, the guys on TV, just one more time, just one more time, <laughs> you know. But no, he doesn't share my humor, obviously. Just, I tell you, you, you look at us as his people, it just be thankful that our Lord is long-suffering, gracious, and um, and that every dumb thing we ever have done or will do it's already been taken care of and um, while we know Satan is up there as the accuser we have an advocate so we have a we've got the best defense attorney you money can't buy a defense attorney like this one (laughs) so we're we're in good shape we're in good shape Anybody else have anything? I might as well. I might as well stall out now and just do Satan and demons next week. We're we're right at the, we're right at the. We haven't got off Satan as demons. The next word down says definitions. That's as far as I got. <laughs> Most often, I say that because there, somebody will find one that does that says something different. <laughs> but most often, when you in the Old Testament you see an angel did this, an angel did that, an angel of the Lord. But then you'll see the term, the angel of the Lord. Most often, if not always, (laughs) that's actually a pre-incarnate visitation of Christ himself. Like the angel of the Lord that stood in the road with the sword, you know, and the one that appeared to Joshua and then other places. So, yeah. Yeah. Hmm? Yeah, the donkey. That, yeah, that was, I was kind of, you kind of keep reading that story. You wonder when it's going to dawn on him that he's talking to a donkey. <laughs> you know, but he's carrying on a conversation like it's, you know, the guy next door. Hey, well, you know, <laughs> yeah, you've been a good donkey, but why'd you stop? And now I said, well, what'd you beat me for? Well, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know. Anyway, 
I think we've made it to the end. Let's close in prayer. And bring these back with you. We'll do, and if a few of you forget, I'll bring a couple. So anyway, we'll with a cheery talk of Satan and his demons next time. Let's uh, close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time, Lord, and we, we just ask you, Lord, and just give us wisdom how we speak to these issues. And uh, uh, Lord, may we not uh, get involved in foolishness as, as some of the examples have been given today, but again, Lord, that we, we know enough about the topics to speak wisely and intelligently on it and not go overboard. And again, Lord, thank you for this time together, and we thank you for the revelation that you did give us in, in this matter. In Jesus' name, amen.